Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Ray, who is a former teacher of art and computer science. In 2013, she became seriously ill with a mysterious illness that persisted for three months with no diagnosis. Even after dozens of extensive tests, her weight dropped dangerously low and on the eve of a planned hospitalization for the insertion of a feeding tube, she was taken on board an extraterrestrial ship and completely healed by aliens. Ray, thank you for joining me and welcome. Hi, thank you for inviting me on your show. Ray, if you don't mind, can you give us a little information about your illness and then how it developed to where you needed to go to the hospital? Um, yeah, well, actually, the illness started with a bad milkshake. A, a relative of mine and I were getting milkshakes on a hot day, and we both ended up with food poisoning. And the relative healed or got better from the food poisoning within three days. But for some reason, it affected me differently, and I got worse and worse until I was not able to eat anything without losing it. And eating was extremely painful. I had, you know, extreme gut pain constantly when I was eating. So, of course, I wasn't eating much. Um, it got to where all I could stomach was um, maybe one or two yogurts or uh, tapioca pudding. Um, a day was all I could get down and even drinking water was causing me to throw up. So this went on for three months. I was seeing a doctor um, weekly on a weekly basis and they were trying different things. They did, oh my goodness, dozens and dozens of tests. Some were not so fun, you know, where you drink the dye and they, they take pictures of you and, uh, it was just, uh, it was horrible. I remember spending nights in the bathroom on the floor, just clutching my stomach because when you have stomach pain, there's not much that reduces that pain. There's no medicines really that help with that. And no medicine was hurt working except for not eating. So after three months of this, um, I lost about 20 pounds, which may not seem a lot, but I was already about 120 pounds and I'm five foot five. So I'm taller than most um, females. <laughs> so I was just starting to go under a hundred pounds. And at that point, the doctor said, we don't have anything else we can do for you other than put you in the hospital and put you on a feeding tube and IV and see what happens. So that day he told me that, um, he says, well, think about it. Um, it's your choice, you know, what you want to do. And, and I was weak from not eating too. I want to mention like just walking from the doctor's office to my car exhausted me. Um, so that night um, I thought about it, you know, and it was before bedtime. Um, and I think what happened was 
reality had hit me. Now, I want to mention, too, that um, I was raised a a very strict Roman Catholic, so I got a lot of uh, religious training, um, which leads to, for some, a a sense of spirituality or the uh, um, inner spirituality versus religion. But have, being a strict Roman Catholic, I learned how to, you know, your pray. I don't know if you, some of you out there that are uh, Catholic or, or any other religion, you, and, and also I want to mention too, I was uh, educated in a Catholic school from grade one to eight. So in Catholic school, you go to church every, every morning. That was, that, that was the beginning of your education. You have Bible study. And so, so I was I would say I was a religious person at this point, and this was in 2013, about, what is that, nine years ago, something like that, 10 years ago. Um, But it had, um, since then, because of other experiences, excuse me, Mm -hmm. because of other experiences, it had grown from a religion, a religious person to a more spiritual person. The dogmas of the religion we're not sticking with me anymore because of other experiences, including an NDE. So my first instinct that night was to pray. And I prayed to, to God and I prayed to Jesus and I didn't pray for healing. And this is what's, this is what is interesting when I think back, I didn't sit down and just give up and say, God save me because intuitively when the doctor told me that, and I thought about it, I somehow had a knowing intuitively. I just knew that if I went into the hospital, I wasn't ever coming back out, that that was it, that that was going to be where I was going to be staying never to return. I just knew it. So I made a vow to myself that knowing this, I was not going to go to the hospital. And that's where my prayer began. I said, God, um, I've tried everything. I'm not giving up. I'm still trying, but I'm not going to the hospital. And I leave this in your hands, whatever is my destiny. I'm not going to give up. And I have to say that I didn't ask for healing. I just asked for God to, you know, what is next for me? You know, I was, I was going on faith, not a religious faith, but a spiritual faith, um, in source. And, uh, and there was like this little light inside of me that I call hope that never dies. It never died and it never does. And so I pulled on that light inside me and gave myself in a surrender to source or God. And then I went to sleep. That was it. And, uh, and this is where it gets interesting. I thought that if God was to help me, that he would send me like Jesus to help me, but God didn't. He sent me ETs, like a spaceship of ETs. And what happened was, um, I woke up on a ship. It was, And I was lying on like a silver table and it wasn't cold. It wasn't hot. It was comfortable. 
I was in my clothes, but when I opened my eyes and looked up, I saw these bright lights on me. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw um, a robed hand with look what I thought looked like a scanner because they were the person was going it across my body like this. So he was holding the scanner and it was going like this back and forth across across my abdomen. And the scanner was silver, probably at least a foot long. And it had like a ring of lights around it. So that's where I kind of thought immediately, oh, that's some kind of a scanner. But then reality kicked in as I'm opening my eyes. And I thought, wait a sec, what kind of medicine is that? What kind of medical technology is that? You know, because I have a technology background, you know, in computer science and technology, and I've never seen anything like that. I mean, it almost reminded me of those um, modern scanner printers that offices sometimes use on the go. And it's and they just scan it over a document and then it goes into their uh, their uh, memory. And um, and then I kind of looked up some more and I started to get up and I looked to the person that was holding the scanner. And when he realized I was getting up, he seemed surprised because he like stepped backwards and goes ah, like this, like I startled him. And I'm like, what can a doctor get startled like that? Like, that's weird. And then he had a covered uh, hood, so I couldn't see his face. And then I realized that there was someone else in the other, you know, farther away behind him by a counter. And I, and there was somebody behind me as well, because I could feel his hand on the back of my head and his hand felt like, like big puffy fingers, like not small human fingers. They were big and puffy, like maybe just three or four fingers. And it was like right on the back by the, I guess you call that cerebrum, cerebrum. And I later found out that the cerebrum is a part of your head that if you want to knock someone unconscious, you know, you can hit someone in the back of the head there. And that's why they fall unconscious. It has to do with uh, vertigo and such. But he had his hand there gently. And um, I remember the, the person holding the scanner, he just stood back and waited and kind of looked past me. So that's how, again, I knew somebody was behind me. And um, also um, telepathically, I could hear voices, but I didn't understand the voices. It was a weird language. Um, and that confused me too, because I was picking something up telepathically. Um, we, and I have a history of being just kind of from childhood, slightly psychic. So telepathy isn't that new to me, but, um, when the person holding the scanner was waiting, the person holding the back of my head pressed on my head with his hands, which is really weird. And I fell asleep again, fell asleep again. Um, I woke up again later. And uh, as I woke up, I could hear even more telepathically the person behind me and the person that was, I'm going to say, the ET doctor was having a telepathic conversation. And I was picking up some of it here and there. And one of the words that I picked up was the word cerebrum, which is, you know, or cerebral. Um, and there was some other stuff going on, but I, I really can't remember what other words I heard because some of the words, like I said, were not English and I was just not interpreting them. I guess I'm not that good telepathically, but I did hear them talking. And 
then I felt the pressure on the back of my head from the guy behind me and I fell asleep again. And then I woke up, I don't know how long later, I woke up being dropped back in my bed. And I want to say too that my dog was sleeping on my bed with me when I was dropped back on my bed and I was looking around. My dog was on the floor on the carpet, sound asleep. Like, how did he get there? And why is my dog sleeping soundly? You know, so that was kind of weird. So I guess my dog was my witness <laughs> in a weird way. But um, I felt like I was being dropped from about one inch up above my bed and down. And my blanket was back over me, but it wasn't covering my feet, which is kind of weird. And uh, my clothes were still on. I was think I was wearing a sweatsuit or something. But I remember um, getting up again, still remembering where I was and what had happened in complete shock and startlement. I started getting up again and telepathically and almost third eye visually, I could see the doctor, the ET doctor. And he was saying to me, stay off your feet a few days. And that was it. And then he disappeared, you know, from my consciousness. And I thought, that's weird. And I started to get up again and I suddenly felt extremely tired. And what's really weird is I didn't wake up till like 11 o'clock in the morning that next morning. Something weird had happened. I usually, because of my stomach issues, I was waking up at six or seven o'clock every morning. And even my dog slept in. So that's weird. So I didn't realize it was a healing until, and a lot of this is intuitive stuff that uh, um, I guess with a lot of spiritual training and experience, you learn to rely on your intuition eventually. And I was, and I always rely on my intuition. So even at that point. Um, so when I got up the next morning, I started to sit up thinking, oh, that was a weird dream. And then I felt this tinge of pain in my abdomen. And I thought, what the heck? And I look at my abdomen and it's got a one inch gold colored scar on my abdomen. And I was in shock. And then I thought, am I like seeing things? Did I die? What's going on? I was just in complete confusion. So I grabbed my phone and I took pictures of my scar not for others, but to prove to myself that I wasn't crazy and this really happened and now I have a scar. I took some pictures, like three pictures, and then I put the phone down because I was suddenly feeling ravenously hungry. I walked over to the fridge and started eating everything I could find that was still in my fridge. And lo and behold, it didn't make me sick. It didn't hurt my stomach. I didn't throw up. I just kept eating and I ended up eating like that for two weeks and gained a lot of weight back, like 10 pounds back. And so, you know, at that point where I was eating that first morning and I wasn't getting sick, I knew and realized that they had healed me. And when that realization hit me, this chills just all over my body and realization, you know, and, and chills for anyone that's experienced them, when someone says something to them and they feel chills, that's your um, subconscious or your um, higher self recognizing that this is truth, that those chills are a, a symptom of truth. And realizing that they had healed me, I felt so grateful, but at the same time, a huge conflict because it scared the heck out of me. 
like this is weird. And I almost felt angry at God for sending me ET instead of Jesus. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and that was paradigm shifting for me, this experience. Paradigm shifting, because not only was there a huge conflict of religion and spirituality, but mostly my religious training, that suddenly there's ET, because anyone who's had a lot of religious training in any of the religions, the talk of ETs is just, no, you don't do that. There's no such thing or, and, uh, so that was just, and, and if there is talk of ETs, that's the work of the devil. Basically that's their, their, that's what I was led to believe. So there was huge conflicts going on with me, but at the same time, I was so happy that I was healed and, and I didn't tell anybody for probably another two, two years, at least about this experience that I had been healed. Um, I kept it a secret because I was afraid of, uh, what other people would say they would think I was crazy and put me away but but I knew inside it was real Ray thank you for sharing your experience have you had any interest in ETs or UFOs prior to this I had not with the exception of um and this is something I found out later that um when my mother was uh, pregnant with me and she later told me after I revealed, you know, this to her, that when she was pregnant with me, she would always have um, nightmares of aliens landing on her front lawn, which is really weird. Right. (laughs) And, and, uh, and then in 2009, uh, I was driving up a road and this was the day before I wrecked my wrist that so bad that it changed. I had to make a tr- career change. Um, but that day before I was driving up a popular road and I looked up to the left of me and I saw this weird looking spaceship half in and half out of uh, uh, like a mirage. I could see it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like a mirage, like half in and half out of this dimension, it was appearing right over the top of a bunch of houses as I was driving along. And I looked up at it and I go, what the heck? And I almost drove into a curb and crashed because I was like in so, so much shock. And I'm like, what is that? And it kind of really shocked me. Like, and I knew it was some kind of a, not of this world craft. I just knew it. And, uh, later I, found out that another person had seen it across town and reported it, you know, to this UFO reporting agency thing, or I think it was MUFON mm-hmm. and uh, they had reported it. So there was, there was a witness to that. Yes, I did see that. And after that, nothing. And I really didn't have interest in UFOs other than since childhood, a huge interest in um, shows like lost in space and then star Trek, these shows, I just couldn't get enough of for some reason. That was it. I don't really want to go into your NDE completely at this moment, but Uh during your NDE, did you happen to encounter any non-human beings? You may consider them angels or anything else. Yes, I did. The non-human being. Yeah, I had an an NDE like, oh, when I was in my 30s, probably kind of 
died on an operating table for three, five minutes. But during that NDE, I did meet uh, what you would say is non-human. And the biggest non-human of all, I met God. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he basically told me, and, you know, I felt just exalting peace, so much peace and love that I didn't want to go back down to where I was lying on the operating table. I wanted to stay and God said, it's not your time yet. Pop me back into my body. And, and this NDE is where I learned that uh, we are not the body. We are much more. Well, you mentioned God. Did you see any other beings? Well, no. And I didn't see God. I felt him. And when his voice spoke, there was a brighter light shining. I guess I'm trying to determine, have you had a lifetime of ET contact and not realized it? As well as, I'm sure you've asked yourself, why me? I have not had a lifetime of ET contact experience in the traditional sense that people start seeing ETs when they're a child on up. But, I, but my family has a history of it. And I didn't find this out till I opened up about it myself to my family. And certain family members would say, oh, yeah, so, yeah, I was on a ship and I went back in time. And another one would say, yeah, when, you know, when I was pregnant with you, there was ETs in my dreams. But mm-hmm. after I was born, no more ETs. So that all makes So in that sense, yeah. I don't think ETs just come to one person and say, you know, hey, let's take care of the planet before we destroy it. I think they come and kind of, you know, may investigate or or work with an entire family, perhaps like what's happened to you? Um, yes, and I agree with that. I didn't really understand for the longest time answering that question for people that have a lifetime of ET experiences or even one experience. They've got this burning question of why me? Why me? And I finally got the answer to that question, understanding um, Something that um, a person from Peru named Sixto Paz Wells said, and he is the founder of the Rama Mission ET contact groups that originated in Peru and are still active today. Um, And what he said made sense to me. He said that people that have had experiences with ETs in this lifetime have most probably had prior ET contact in a previous lifetime or a previous existence so that they were already conditioned for this. And the second reason of the why me was that he said was that the ETs assess individuals and they give experiences to the individuals that are most likely to do something with that experience in a productive or service type way to humanity. So that makes sense to me too. And what I want to say about that too, is that it's not like that person is chosen. It's that that person is given the choice. So even though they may have a high um, capacity to share their experiences with others to help in um, earth's evolution spiritually 
um, or like in some way they're, they're writers, they're film producers, um, they're directors, they're visionaries. Um, these are people in a position already that can do something. They're creatives. A lot of them are creatives. Even artists are put in a position where you're, that they have these experiences. They're given the choice. And there's no right or wrong choice. You can or you, you don't have to. But it's our choice. So it's not like you were chosen and now you must do this. It's they have that, you know, those skill set already or the mindset. Um, and here's the experience. And now you choose what you want to do with it. And they're in their eyes or hearts. They don't care whether you do something with it or not. You're given that choice. It's for yourself. So in my case, I'm, I'm choosing to share the experiences with people. Do you feel that your life purpose changed after the experience? After the experience, I had a burning question in my mind. I was saved for a reason. What's the reason? And so on, so a journey started where I had to discover who I was and what was I meant to do in this world? Why am I here? Um, and so that, and, and that's kind of a spiritual journey. I mean, a spiritual journey isn't all about praying and meditating. It's finding out who you are inside. That's what a spiritual journey is. Um, so yeah, it, it changed me in that respect. And when I did figure out, you know, that I have a choice, I can go this way or I can go that way. I can be a hermit and just be all quiet. Um, oops. Um, you know, I, I decided that, you know, I was going to challenge myself and I'm a super shy person. I've always been very shy and quiet and a very private person. So this is a lot for me to start writing books and sharing my experiences because I want others that have had experiences that are similar to help understand their journey. How did you reconcile your experience with your religious beliefs? I don't want to knock religion. I mean, I've had my cup full, two cupfuls of religious um, training and religious um, teachings. I don't want to knock religion because I believe that if it's a good religion, a true religion, and, and we're not religion versus cult, which is cult has a negative connotation to it, that um, that a religion has its place for some. It's a stepping stone to something else. So in my case, all this religious training, not spiritual training, religious training, was a stepping stone to good habits. You know, prayer is always a good habit. Um, and Prayer is like a meditation, um, doing good to others. That's a good habit. And these are all good things that you can get from a religion. But to me, religions are a stepping stone, a journey for some to start, and then it develops into spirituality. And then that's your stepping stone. So I don't want to mock religions, but uh, what was the question again? <laughs> I was just curious how you kind of reconciled uh, okay. Your beliefs and and obviously you've changed your beliefs to being less religious and more spiritual and the addition of ETs. 
Right. So I would say I'm no longer religious. I don't practice anything that has to do with religion because it's not for me anymore. So I'm more spiritual. And like I said, it's, uh, it's, uh, I mean, if a relative of mine is going to church and they ask me to Easter services, it's not like, no, I'm not going, I go with them because there is a positivity to every religion. There's something positive in there, but it's no longer something that I need for myself. Are you still having ongoing contact with the ETs? Yes. Yes, I am. And, uh, yeah, I am. Um, after this experience of being healed, uh, two weeks later, um, the, I woke up and I felt paralyzed. I couldn't move and it scared the heck out of me because I couldn't move. And I felt a presence in the room. And by the doorway was what people describe as the grays, gray aliens. There was one by the doorway. I could see his hand around the door. And there was one by the foot of my bed. And I didn't freak out because they were there. I freaked out because I was, had been paralyzed and probably paralyzed for my own good. So I wouldn't hurt myself or maybe that's what they thought, but it scared the heck out of me. And so again, with my training, I started praying to Jesus and I even said Jesus's name almost out loud and telepathically, I was saying, no, no, no. And the minute I said, Jesus, they left like the fear of God was in them or something. I don't know, (laughs) Mm. but, and then later I thought, um, I realized that this was more of not a scary negative experience with these aliens. This was a neutral experience, neutral in that they didn't hurt me. And the empathic feeling I got from them, that they were just curious, almost like a scientist that two weeks prior to that, I was healed. And now they're the, they're checking on me. I don't know if they had to do with the original ETs that healed me or if they were just flying by and go, oh, something's going on down there. Let's check her out kind of thing. But that's what I got. So I was no longer afraid of them. And then after that, I didn't start seeing ETs and aliens. I was seeing UFOs every month, almost like clockwork. I would see a UFO or a light above my house or a light that was like shaped like a Tic Tac with tiny little lights around it above my house. And I was taking pictures. And once I saw this big, like six foot orb go over, and these were things that were coming to me, you know, going by me so that I would notice it was, it was weird. And that's why I sometimes believe that um, the ETs to help you out, not be so afraid of what's coming next. They do conditioning and they give you more and more experiences. So for Probably about a year, I was having just UFO sightings. And then, and then, uh, whoops. And then um, after that, that's when I had an ET appear in my room. And I'm going to call him the Arcturian. He was the very first ET that was in my room. And he later turned out to be one of my guides, what I call an ET guide. And he appeared in my room and he had his uh, left hand up. And I woke up because I felt a pulling at my heart center. It was so strong that it woke me up. And I go, am I having a heart attack? What's going on? And I open my eyes and I see this ET person with his hands up like this. And coming from his hand was like a light. And it was beaming into my chest. And it was pulling. And suddenly I felt incredible love. Um, 
And when he was leaving, finally, I said telepathically to it to him, I said, who are you? What are you doing? And he said, Arcturian High Council initiation, which I never knew what that means. And I still don't know exactly. I think it was some type of spiritual initiation, but I did find out later that it's called heart expansion, where the heart chakra is expanded quicker than what a normal human lifetime would take of experiences to expand your heart chakra. It was done like overnight in one day, because after that, I was, I just connect to my heart chakra and I still to this day feel love churning there, you know, from source. So, and, and that's part of the spiritual journey that almost everyone that has a spiritual journey and gets to a certain point will feel the expanding heart chakra and, and that love inside, which helps to connect you to source and, and knowledge and understanding of everything. Can you describe what that alien looked like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, his head was somewhat covered, except for I could see that he had a bluish skin. Which makes sense because people say Arcturians are highly spiritual ETs and that they have a bluish skin. So he was telling the truth, if that's true, you know, if that's, if that's the case. But he was wearing, I'm an artist and I do, did a lot of sewing as well. You know, I worked with my hands and he was wearing a fabric that I had never seen before. It was a fabric that was like a glisten to it, but textured and it was silver and it was a silver color. I'd never really seen before. And as an artist, I'm very tuned into colors. So I could tell that, yeah, this is like, I don't have anything like that in my wardrobe or anybody's wardrobe. And uh, it was a long gown, you know, with a hood, but I just remember the material was just, just fascinating to me. And, and I would say he was probably about about my height, maybe about five, five. Have you ever considered the possibility that you're a star seed? I've seen um, people in reference to star seeds and, and what are the others? Um, I think there's some other um, definition terms of different people. Oh, um, star, star chart, star child. Is that one yeah. of them? Or yeah. Indigo child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've thought about it and I, looked at, you know, the description of if you are this, 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 then you're a starseed kind of thing. And I check all the boxes and I check all the boxes for all of those questions, but I don't identify with it in any way of being a starseed. It's yeah, maybe I was planted here, but if I was, it was by choice that between lifetimes, I was given a choice. What do you want to go next? What do you want to do for the development of your soul? And apparently I chose to come back to earth and, you know, rise from the mud kind of thing. <laughs> I was wondering if you had a life review during your NDE or at some other time you saw a past life on another planet. Um, I've never seen a past life on another planet, but I've seen past lives on this planet. Um, once during the Renaissance period and once during a Victorian period and once um, in, in an Asian village, uh, almost medieval. 
Besides the golden scar on your body, did you have any other marks? Yeah, and the golden scar disappeared in about um, three days. It was gone, so I'm glad I took pictures of it. But the only, I have an unusual scar on my uh, right shin that's like a scoop mark, about an inch and a half long, and it's teardrop shaped. And I've never been able to remember how I got that, when I got that. When I've asked my parents or my mom about it, she has no idea how I got that. And I've had that scoop mark for, I don't know, since grade school, seventh, eighth grade. So that's the only other thing that I can't explain. Since you've been healed by this ET, do you have any survivor's guilt? Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up. Um, My story of being healed on board a ship, um, I kept it a secret for many, many years. And when I did mention it, I just went back in and didn't want to talk about it anymore. And the reason being was that when I would talk about my ET healing, I suddenly was getting messages from people that wanted to know if I could contact the ETs that healed me and healed them because they were suffering too. And of course, I, I can't do that. I can say a prayer for them or I can try to telepathically connect with them, but it's like no guarantee. And I, and I felt helpless and it made me feel the survival survival's guilt because here I was saved and others have not been saved. I mean, it's like a tornado goes through a block of houses and one house is standing and that person who has that standing house suddenly feels guilty and doesn't want to talk to anybody. And he feels awkward. Well, that's how I felt. And to a sense, I still feel that way. But now that I'm more understanding of why I was healed, um, I don't feel that as much anymore. And I have this, I have a message for those that want to be healed that healing doesn't have to come from an ET. Healing can come from anywhere. It could come from even a nurse or even a highly spiritually advanced nun. Healing can come from source through their hands to you. Um, Even looking outside and a hummingbird comes up to you and it delights you and your heart does a flutter because of this hummingbird that in a sense could also be a mode of healing that just because I was healed by ETs doesn't mean that you can't be healed by another source because every source of healing is connected to the big source or to God, if you want to think of it as that. And all it takes is some type of that inner hope, never giving up, um, prayer or meditation um and a type of faith and i don't mean the religious type of faith it's a faith of of knowing that you're always tethered to source like and that tether that invisible silk line is is saturated with unconditional love which is what source is is that so healing can come anyway in any form that you can't give up just because an ET is not there to save you. Look at the clues, look at the, the synchronicities, like even people that are seeing like 11, 11, um, 
or other synchronicities or, or what they call uh, uh, codes of, uh, they're uh, codes that are given uh, clues or, or, or you could be at the, or you could suddenly be going through the, the internet and you come up upon something that kind of just strikes your interest and, and you read it and it suddenly you, you get something from it. You feel something from it right in here. Trust your intuition, you know, and that is a form of healing. It's like, like it doesn't have to be an ET. Have the ETs ever given you a message for humanity? Many times. Um, I do um, work with ET contact groups. Um, like one is CE5 and I've worked with the Rama mission contact groups and sometimes you get messages and I've even gotten messages from, you know, angels, but repeatedly the message is to help with earth's environment. It's environmental concerns that these are messages that surround that. And also message of unity understanding, being in service to others, um, developing your own spirituality, because as we as individuals develop our own, we are automatically helping the spirituality of others because we're all connected. It's like the hundredth monkey effect or the Maharishi effect. If you want to look those up, that we're all connected in consciousness. So if one person develops themselves um, in evolution or um, spirituality, um, then just people you're around, that affects as well. And it's like a domino effect. And it's like a group consciousness that we always have that with the entire humanity around the world, which reaches out to other worlds, that that group consciousness is always affected by the individual con consciousnesses. So that is why we all should develop ourselves because it triggers an effect and helps the whole globe. Do you think anybody can make contact with ETs if they want to? Ah, that's a good question because I've heard of some people that want to make contact and they've tried for 10 years and nothing has happened. And Anything is possible. And I feel that, yes, anybody can, whether it will happen in this lifetime or another, I can't say. Um, and I think it happened to me because in previous lifetimes or existences, I've already met an ET, you know, I've already made contact. Um, so I would never give up hope. And what those that want to make contact and haven't, um, start working with a CE5 group or a heist group. It's Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, uh, which was, start, was started by Stephen Greer. You can look up some of that. There's many, many, many hundreds of those groups on Facebook. You can find one in your area. And what they do is they go out into the field and they get in a circle and they do some meditation and work on their inner selves. Because if they calm themselves and work on their inner selves, they raise their consciousness, which makes it more you makes it more able for you to have contact because these individuals are almost primarily telepathic or telepathic, which is telepathy and empathy. 
And if you're able to connect with them that way, it's a lot easier. And so they sit around in a, you know, usually late at night and they sit in a field and then they um, consciously project an invitation for the ETs to show up. And I have never been to one of these events where they did not have some kind of contact, whether it was a ship or some type of spiritual experiences. And I don't want it to sound uh, like a religion or a cult because I think people are afraid of spirituality. So they just call it a cult. Maybe, maybe that's what's going on that, that we poke fun at that, which we don't understand because it's different, but it is, it is a very spiritual thing because the, if you keep your vibration high, the ETs that come and interact with you, they are highly spiritual. So of course you're going to have spiritual experiences, almost angelic for some. And it's like the old, old world where um, there were angels in the Bible. Well, I fully believe that, yeah, maybe they were angels, but they could have also been highly spiritually advanced uh, beings. What do you think inspires you about your healing? What inspires me about my healing? Number one, that the aliens are not here to invade the earth. They're not. Uh, maybe in the past, 20,000 years ago, maybe, but good conquers the evil if there were any evil aliens. So they are not here to conquer earth. They are not here to take over your mind. They understand we have free choice. So, I mean, I have no fear of aliens or ETs, never. I mean, I feel like they're family to me and and that's what they are. They're family to us, to the humans. You have a book that's called Transported to Ta- Talos? Talos? Talos, yeah. Apparently, you've never heard of Talos. Mm-hmm. I didn't either when this happened. <laughs> yeah, so I was working with ET contact groups up in uh, Mount Shasta a couple years ago. And one of those experiences, I was um, taken out of my tent and transported to this mythical city in Mount Shasta called Talos. And uh, supposedly they, they've been there for thousands of years. They're in fourth and fifth dimension, um, very spiritual. And I was transported to them, to their inner city of crystals. And I was given a uh, almost a lecture by um, what I termed as the, the, uh, the lady of the mountain, which in a sense essentially is the embodiment of Mount Shasta and Mother Nature herself. Um, And she helped me personally with some problems I was having. And uh, so this book is about that journey of being transported to Talos, which when this happened, even though I was doing ET contact for years, I didn't really believe that Talos existed until I was there, that kind of thing. And and that's how I always am is I won't believe something for sure until it happens to me. I have, I'm based all about the experience. I have to experience it to believe it, which is everybody should be that way. Would you say you were transported there physically or just your consciousness? In this case, usually it is just your consciousness, but in this case, it was both. I was rolled up into this ball energy, transported over there and then unrolled back with my body still attached and I was, you know, with all of the, the five external senses were working. It was not just consciousness. 
Yeah. What were the beings like there? Were they humanoid like us or something different? Um, yeah, they were humanoid. Um, if you saw them walking on the street, um, you wouldn't think anything other, other than they were probably very beautiful and brighter skinned, you know, glowing almost. But um, yeah, they were, uh, I think one had darker hair and uh, a couple others had blonde hair. Do you think that any of them or any other ETs could be walking among us today? I think it's possible. I really do. But um, I haven't seen any, and I don't know if I would recognize them. You would have to probably be pretty highly advanced uh, spiritually and telepathically to even recognize them unless they want you to recognize them. Um, I mean, I've heard and read that um, people from other dimensions or beings from other dimensions that they have the capacity to walk around and you won't see their shadow. Hmm. So, I mean, that would be one way to recognize them. But uh, yeah, I think it's a possibility. I mean, why not? But again, they're not here to do us harm. I wouldn't be afraid. I'd be more afraid of, um, you know, naughty people holding a gun. <laughs> so your book, Transported to Talos, is mm -hmm. that on Amazon or your website? That's on Amazon now. Yeah. And then I'm currently working on another book, which will be talking um, in greater detail about my um, experience of being healed on board the spaceship. And that I'm currently working on. Do you still have the picture of the scar and, and, and any other photos or evidence that you'll include in the book? Oh, absolutely. As, um, as a teacher, former teacher, and as an artist, as like, I'm very, I like to, when I wrote my first book, I really want to get into the visual because some of us are visual learners. Um, and some of us are audio. Some of us are, you know, by sight. Um, you know, reading. So I try to include that in all my books as a teacher. Um, so definitely there will be lots of pictures. <laughs> After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you mm -hmm. open to that? And if so, how can they reach you? Um, yes, absolutely. I'm open to more questions. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I'm on Facebook and you can message me if you want. Are you just Ray on Facebook or? It's Ray Dove. Okay. Yeah, Ray Dove. All right, Ray. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? I will talk to those that want to be healed. Again, I want to say healing comes from within and our emotions can be toxic to our bodies. I want to say that. And I have learned this especially for those that are highly sensitive, um, even to the point of uh, being autistic, um, that for you, your emotions definitely affect the rest of your body. It affects different organs. So to heal, you've got to heal within, you know, find out, uh, like if you're always having um, throat issues, that's your throat chakra. Look into it like that. So is there something you need to say to other people that you're not saying and is being bodied up inside, especially if you're the quiet inverted type? Um, healing doesn't have to come from an ET. 
It can come from other sources. It could even be instigated or um, secretly, quietly helped by ETs and you don't know it. So never lose hope. I just want to ask you this. You said that emotions could be toxic. Yes. So do you think we should be emotionless or we should be in more control of our emotions? I'll clarify that negative emotions are harmful to your body. That the emotions you should have is unconditional love. The um, emotions are also helpful. I mean, it's a complicated issue, and I am not a psychiatrist. I mean, I've had psych, um, some some psychology training in college, but I'm not a certified psychologist or therapist. But um, emotions can also be good. They help you get out. So say something's eating at you, a good cry is sometimes very beneficial. That So you don't shut off your emotions. And even when you're meditating and they say, don't think, no emotions, you can still have that feeling of love, you know, the positive emotions, never get rid of those. That's part of who you are, especially if you're a highly sensitive person, because people that can pick up empathically on the emotions of others and themselves, that's a real gift because you can help others that way. So it's a tricky subject, but those negative emotions where you're ratting down on yourself, those are toxic. Or emotions where if you um, know another person that's toxic to you, you've got to space yourself from that that type of emotion, because that eats away at you, especially if you're an in- introvert. So in that sense, don't shut off your emotions, just the negative ones. Ray, thank you again for joining me today. I really appreciate you and I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing. Uh, thank you. And thank you again for asking me on your show. It was fun. You're welcome.